Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who went into a tryptophan and Saints offense-induced coma. Welcome to Datitude, episode number 28 for a Friday, November the 26th, 2021. The day after Thanksgiving. We still have a lot to be thankful for, right? I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at The Advocate, The Times, Picayune, and bet.nola.com. I'm going to try to do my best to get through this podcast without repeating the same thing I've said for nearly four weeks now. It's like torture. And it's, it's going to be pretty much impossible. You know, in doing my trends blog for the week, I wrote that before Thursday night, the last time the Saints had lost to the Buffalo Bills, Billy Joe Tolliver was the quarterback and Mike Ditka was the coach back in December of 1998. You know, that's what I felt like. That's what I felt like I was watching last night. It felt like the Billy Joes were back and stubborn-ass Mike Ditka was coaching this team. I'll get to Derry's Dime in just a moment, and then we'll follow with Jeff Duncan, who maybe can help us figure out what in the hell is going on. But as I watch this and I continue to look at Taysom Hill, the new multiple-million-dollar man on the sideline, a guy who practiced fully all week, a guy who we are told has a foot injury, but yet the head coach did not feel it necessary for the second straight week for rookie Ian Book to be active. The only thing I could think of was this. Somebody tell me something. I mean, we got to know. Duncan's coming up in about 15 minutes, and we'll wrap up the show with a short segment with Uncle Big Nick as we offer our best picks of the weekend. But one of my best picks of the week already happened. Look, I told you Wednesday, I didn't know if the Saints would score and that the Bills were in serious need of a get-right game. On Thursday's At the Book show on bet.nola.com, I predicted a final score of 27-7. to 7. I thought the defense would come up with a better effort, which they did. And I thought Trevor Simeon would continue to do what Trevor Simeon does. Unfortunately, I was just about right, off by a total of five points in a 31-6 final. Look, before we get into, fully into the dime, a reminder you can reach me at, email, at my email at jderryattheadvocate.com and on Twitter at Jim Derry Jr. You can listen to this podcast in a multitude of places, wherever you're listening right now. You can also listen on bet.nola.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And wherever else you get your podcast, just search for Datitude. Make sure to subscribe so you can find out when our newest episode has been released, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays during football season. Also, don't forget to watch our 
many shows on bet.noah.com. Odds and ends on Mondays to review the previous weekend of football fantasy roundup on Tuesdays and at the book on Thursdays featuring cashing in with Carville. And yes, we did a show yesterday on Thanksgiving. Zach Ewing was live from Harris. I'll be there live next Thursday night and then at the Dome for the game against Dallas. I ask again, is there something we should know? No one's going to ask him. Not really ask him anyway. But they're not going to ask him more than a periphery question and let his basically, because I said so, answer go without any pressing. In other words, Sean Payton continues to get a pass from my friends. We weren't very good tonight. Um, Man, it was a long game especially offensively. I thought the two things that stood out, we had trouble with any type of balance, um, protection. I thought a return game struggled, especially in the kickoff return. I thought we hung in there defensively for the first half. Got some takeaways. um, But it wasn't very good. So disappointing. Any questions? Coach, what's the first correction that you made to performance? Yeah. It's hard to do that without reviewing it yet. I mean, you're asking me to, in fairness to the question, you know, watch the tape, obviously um, look closely at who's doing what, and then uh, we'll get back to work on Sunday. Yeah, that was the plan. He, he, look, he was, he was uh, still going through the week. You know, we knew he wasn't going to be able to play quarterback this week, but he's listed as full just relative to being being up. So um, that, that was, you know, that was his foot. Like again, we'll see. We'll look at everything right now. I mean, obviously, we have to. Say it again. Well, yeah, he was just like last week. He was our two quarterback, right? I mean, last week the same way. Um, yeah, just uh, but obviously his role would be limited. But the same, it was the same as uh, last week's game. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, Mike Triplett asked it as well as anyone's asked it the last few weeks. Finally, but still. They should have been pressed on it more. There's something going on. We know this because regardless of what Coach Payton said, Taysom has been able to practice fully. He said so. So he has to be able to play some. I know this. This is unwatchable. And it has to be torture for those inside the locker room and on the sideline. There can't be much impetus for the defense to continue to go out there and bust their butts when they know they'll just be back out there and three plays and a punt later. Look, I feel for Simeon. I don't think he's playing bad on purpose, and I don't have anything against the guy. He's doing the best that he can do. He's simply incapable. He cannot read a defense. He cannot be accurate. He cannot feel the pressure. He cannot move with any kind of pace. He cannot show a single emotion. You know, actually, I take that back. I think I saw him pump his fist once. 
I, I can't remember whether it was last night or last week, but I, I think a little, you know, those little mini fist pumps. I, I think I saw it. I have a very good friend asked me last night if I thought Simeon was apathetic. And if you don't know what that, words mean, what that word means, it's all good. Someone else in our text group didn't know what it means either. So the official definition of apathetic is, quote, showing or feeling no interest, enthusiasm, or concern. It's an unequivocal yes, right? I mean, I can't possibly know what he's feeling, but the kid shows almost no emotion. And I don't think anyone can possibly pay, play that position in this league with no emotion. And it certainly can't be played without enthusiasm. But back to the more pressing question, why hasn't a change been made? When Fletcher Mackle asked former coach Jim Moore on the WDSU postgame show last night if he would make the switch, he finished with that he probably would, but he doesn't have the insight Sean Payton has, and maybe there's more going on behind the scene. Maybe there is. Would it have made a difference last night with a capable quarterback with all the injuries the Saints have, have incurred? Maybe not. We'll never know. But no one cares about excuses, and winning teams don't make excuses. Again, to Sean's credit, he hasn't used that as a crutch. However, it's truly hard to believe that Hill isn't healthy enough, so there's something else. He apparently told Michelle Tafoya on NBC last night how disappointing, quote, disappointing, this season has been for him personally. So maybe he and Peyton aren't seeing eye to eye. If that were the case, the team sure had some super weird timing with that new contract extension signed last week. Maybe Peyton doesn't feel like this team can win no matter who is there, and he doesn't want to expose Hill to a no-win situation. Maybe he's waiting for the team to get a bit more healthy, and he's throwing Simeon into the wolves to eat time and then put Hill in with the real weapons, and maybe they can go on a run. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But there's little time left. Don't the fans who spend a ton of money and time on this team, whether it be with season tickets, merchandise, or anything else, deserve even a smidge of transparency? So many questions, and more than just with the quarterback situation. Some of these in-game calls the past three weeks have me completely befuddled. Two weeks ago, with a chance to get within a field goal, with 533 remaining in Tennessee, Peyton passes up a chance to go for it on fourth and goal from the one and takes a field goal. Somehow, the Saints get another chance, cashed in with a touchdown, and missed a two-point conversion, something they have now done ten straight times. Don't we think fourth and goal from the one is easier than a two-point conversion attempt? Had they gone for the two-pointer, they could have tied it with a field goal or won it with the touchdown that they eventually scored. The next week, after trailing 33-7, entering the fourth quarter in Philly against the prevent defense, the Saints miraculously got themselves back within two scores in just eight minutes of play. But on fourth down, just outside the red zone, trailing by 14, and with 7-14 to go, Peyton decided to kick a field goal. It's good. Great, you're still down two scores. And whatever chance the team had was all but gone. 
Last night, a fake punt in a 10-0 game from midfield. Maybe he thought Blake Gillikin could throw the pass better than Simeon. He did, actually, I think. Then down 17-0 early in the third quarter, the team was running the football. Something they had already proven they could not do without Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram against the number one ranked defense in the NFL with no sense of urgency. These are things Sean Payton has never done in 16 years of coaching this team. And this includes the small sample size when Drew Brees was unavailable. And speaking of Brees, having him call the game on NBC and be honored by the team at halftime, it's just a cruel reminder of what this team was just 11 months ago. Now, think back to what they were even less than four weeks ago when Jameis Winston was still the quarterback. You know, I, I joked last week when I said, bless the little hearts of those Saints fans who think this team still has a chance. But honestly, with as bad as the middle of the pack is in the NFC, if only going to the playoffs is the goal, and really that's the only semblance of a goal the Saints could possibly have at the moment, it's still possible. If Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchek, and Marcus Davenport all come back next Thursday and there's someone else playing quarterback, beating Dallas is most certainly possible. Did you see the Cowboys play yesterday? They couldn't stop a Raiders offense that hasn't been able to move the football in a month. They're banged up as well. And who knows if stud receiver CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper will be able to play. They didn't play yesterday. We don't know if they'll be able to play next Thursday. Then if somehow you win that one and get to 6-6, six and six, with a remaining schedule of Jets, Bucks, Dolphins, Panthers, and Falcons, 9-8 and is achievable. And 9-8 and eight will likely be good enough to get you in this year. But as we stand now, 9-8 and eight is a pipe dream. Not with this quarterback, not with this lack of imagination on offense, not with this opaque 10-foot wall from the smartest man in the room. And that's my dime. I mean, how many times can we use the word frustrating in the course of a month? I mean, you think back, it's hard to believe that this team beat the defending Super Bowl champs on Halloween. And here we are the day after Thanksgiving, and they haven't won since. When's it going to change? You have to think that he's seen enough. I mean, I made it clear. I saw enough three weeks ago. And people are finally starting to jump on the bandwagon that I started rolling with a slow crawl really after the Falcons game. And something is going on. I mean, there's no other excuse. There's no other explanation. But I think he's seen enough. We're going to get into that with Jeff Duncan in just a moment because he talks about it. He wrote a column this morning. He's saying it's time. There's a lot of people saying it's time. You know, I, I mentioned in the dime about the media, my friends in the media, haven't really been hard on Sean Payton and haven't asked the question and certainly haven't asked it tough enough why there hasn't been a change. Finally, you see that that is starting to change as well. They're starting to ask a little bit. They're starting to say things on social media. And 
maybe Sean Payton is beginning to relent a little bit. And again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We just don't. And he's never going to tell us. You're never going to know. And if you do ever find out, it'll be way too late, and it'll be like, I don't even remember what you're talking about hardly. Because if the season keeps going like it is, it's going to be a blur. It'll fall into the wallows of mediocrity or worse of teams of Saints past. Let's get to Dunk. And, um, you know, he, he, he knows what's going on. <laughs> uh, I think. Who really knows what's going on, right? Let's hear it. Welcoming in to the Datitude podcast, becoming a regular here because he knows how to address the day before better than just about anyone else. And that's our own Jeff Duncan. And, uh, Dunk, um, you know, it, it's, it's, we're in a position now, uh, Saints fans are, something they haven't seen in a long time. I mean, a four-game losing streak, it hasn't happened since 2015. I had to go look back to see just in case it happens. Uh, when's the last time the Saints lost five in a row? And it hasn't happened in the Sean Payton era. It was the Katrina year of 2005 and uh, when everything just went wrong. And in the position of going back through history in my monologue, um, the last time the Saints had lost to the Bills, it was in 1998 when Billy Joe Tolliver was quarterback in this team. And you know what? Last night felt a lot like Billy Joe Tolliver was on the field. Yeah, I get it, man. It's, it's been a while since we've seen football this bad. I think the, the Saints have been bad before under Sean Payton but they haven't been boring and bad. And that's what this team is, right? I mean, they're so decimated by injuries on offense. The quarterback position has been subpar. So uh, Saints fans just aren't used to it. They're accustomed to at least losing 35-33, not, uh, not scoring. They've been shut out now, J.D., three times in the first half this season. I think it only happened six times in the previous 15 years under Peyton. That kind of gives you an idea of just how inept their offense is right now. It's, it's frankly, it's hard to watch. I think I was trying to think of the last time I saw a game like that, where, you know, you just didn't feel like they were going to score. I, the the last game I remember, I think that they were this just a, one game like this. I'm not talking about. We're now in a, in a host of games that where you talk about being boring and bad, but the last time I remember a game that was this bad was I think back to the Texans game. I think it was 2015 when, you know, J.J. Watt had his way and Drew Brees, I, I, I don't know if it was the game where he broke the touchdown streak or it, it was a really bad game for Drew and the Saints offense couldn't get anything going. It was, one of, it was a snoozer and you knew that the Saints didn't have a chance. But you have to think back six years to the last time the Saints played this bad, but now we're in a stretch of four games where it's just been almost non-competitive. Yeah, and I think the other thing that makes it a little more anxious for people is at least back then you had Drew Brees at quarterback and you could say, okay, let's get to the offseason. Maybe we could do – but we've got the quarterback thing down. And now you don't really have that. I mean, there's still question marks there, to long-term future at the, at the most important position. There's just so much uncertainty. And some of the players, some of their key players – are getting longer in the tooth. So guys like, you know, I've had a lot of fans this morning and I get it. You know, they're saying, let's just tank and 
and get a high draft pick. Well, that's easy for the fans to say, but I mean, if you're Kim Jordan and you've been chasing a Super Bowl ring or Mark Ingram, uh, it's not that easy, man. I mean, that's one more year wasted, and the amount of work these guys put in in the off season to try and you know get back to the Super Bowl or to get to the Super Bowl, uh, and that's also I'd say it's not how Sean Payton is wired. I mean, I- I've talked to him many times about this. Uh, he wants to win every year. Uh, and, and every coach does to some degree, but he really is wired that way. He doesn't believe in transition years and things like that. So I just I can sense the anxiety because there's so much uncertainty uh, with this team and, and with the quarterback position. Speaking of that, and um, I hate to jump on a dead ghost or whatever you want to call it, but uh, I took some heat in the first week that I said this because I didn't think you needed more than a week to see what we've seen from Trevor Simeon. And it's the same thing week after week. He digs himself a hole he can't get out of. This time he didn't even have garbage time results. Um, And you write in your column that it's time to end this experiment, quote unquote, and it's time for Taysom. My question is not so much. We know that it's time for Taysom. We've known that now for longer than two weeks. I mean, even if you want to be conservative, we certainly knew it after a 27 to seven hole against Philadelphia. What is it going to take? for Sean Payton to put in Taysom. I mean, I just want to know. I mean, and I know he's probably been a little banged up, and I get it, but if you got a quarterback in Ian Book that hasn't even dressed out, you got to figure that Taysom Hill was at least well enough to go play at some point. We didn't see him at all. I, I can't understand why we haven't at least seen him a little bit. Can, can, do you have an explanation for that? No, and uh, I think that's what's so strange about the whole situation. Uh, it's, it's very peculiar. I've, I've never really encountered something like this where a player is on the active roster, he's practiced fully for a week, but they're not even considering playing him unless there's an emergency. It doesn't make sense to me just logically. Uh, if he's well enough to go in, if Trevor Simeon gets hurt, then he's obviously well enough to play. Uh, so that's the riddle that I think is confusing everyone, including the entire local media corps. And look, we've asked – Sean Payton about it numerous times. You know, he plays coy with injuries. He always has. But this one's uh, extraordinary in, in the circumstances in that Hill is practicing uh, and he's active. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, if you didn't feel good enough about him, I, I would just assume he was not healthy enough to play and you'd make him inactive for a game. So it is a strange situation. And But sensing just... You know, knowing how to read Peyton between the lines, it sounded to me like he was hinting that they're going to go to Taysom next week. Just the way he said it, he said something like, look, we're going to consider everything. One of the big things with Sean is he never wants to single out a single player. He always says we, not me, all those kind of things. And I got the sense that he was deflecting everything away from Trevor Simeon, making sure that he protected his player and letting everybody know it's not just a quarterback, but he's fed up with seeing what, what we're seeing, too. He's just not going to call him out in the media. And I don't blame him for that. You shouldn't. Um, but <clears throat> it just gets frustrating after a while. I have one theory, and as columnists, we can theorize. If you're writing a game story, you're writing, you know, what, he's, what Sean's talking about, then you, you can't do this. But we can do this, theorize. One theory I have is, and, and I hope this is what it is, because I hope it's not that there's that he's injured more than we know, or there's something going on behind the scenes or, you know, he talked to Michelle Tafoya and said, he's 
was disappointed personally about how the season's going for him, which I'm surprised he said something that strong if he really said it like that. But one theory I have is with all the injuries the Saints have, and I, I'm certainly not making excuses, and I know Sean doesn't make excuses, but do you think that maybe he thought, okay, look, we're in a no-win situation. We're not going to win this week. Um, Alvin's not playing. He didn't – I mean, Mark Ingram not in there. Ramchek not in there. Don't want to throw Taysom to the Wolves against the game we're probably not going to win. Maybe we'll save him for Dallas when we get at least half of these guys back. Is that, That's a theory. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I've thought the same thing about Ingram. Matter of fact, I've heard people even say – that that's what they're doing with Ingram, that they're just trying to get him 100% because they want him no more setbacks down the stretch and they want to have their best player on the field. Um, so I could see maybe that, but um, the, the other thing I've thought is that, you know, with the foot injury and the way they would employ Taysom, I think they realize, you know, you know he's got to be 100% because he's going to be running and he's going to be taking a lot more hits. And, uh, you, you know, we need to have him back 100%. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last, though, the way he plays. Uh, the way I envision Taysom being a quarterback is the Saints running an offense similar to what Philadelphia does. I mean, I don't know why they couldn't go to a ground-based attack with Ingram, uh, Kamara, and Taysom Hill, a lot like Philadelphia does, sprinkle in some passes, Taysom's certainly capable of doing that. And the Eagles have shown you can win in the, in the league that way. They're doing it right now. They're hard to stop. Maybe that's what he's doing is he's saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a shift philosophically on offense, but we got to get all these guys healthy to make this run. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me right now at all. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the season's not over. I mean, and, you know, I've been called Derry Downer before, but, you look at what's ahead, and the Saints, in my opinion, if they're healthy next week and if Taysom Hill plays quarterback, I think they actually match up decently with Dallas, who's playing poorly right now. Um, Dallas has injuries of their own, and we don't know whether CeeDee Lamb's going to be ready or Amari Cooper's going to be ready or who they're going to have at receiver. Zeke's obviously not right. Um, so you look at next week, and if the Saints can get healthy, if they can get Ramchek back, and especially if they can get Kamara and Ingram back and Taysom plays quarterback. If they can find a way to win next week and get to six and six in this muddled NFC playoff picture with the schedule that they have the rest of the way, other than the Bucs, they don't play anyone that's really any good. I yeah, mean, I agree with they you. They really can get themselves back in this thing. 100%. If they they, they can get to 10 and seven, I think, easily. Uh, easily get to 10 and seven, and that should be good enough to get a wild card or at least – get in the mix for a wild card. So I agree with you. I, you know, they've got to get something going on offense uh, because the defense is just, you know, they're hanging in there. I don't think they're playing great either, but at least they're hanging in there. And maybe when you get some life in the offense, it, it also affects the defense. The defense plays with more energy. Right now you can almost see their body language on the field. When they get down 10 points, I mean, they know it's over. And I think sometimes they're pressing, trying to do too much, maybe gambling a little bit because they know they have to help out the, the offense. It just everything starts to kind of snowball right now with how bad they're playing offensively. And they're really not getting a lot out of their 
special teams either. Not much out of the, out of the return game. Uh, they're just not really. I, I left the stadium last night, J.D., and I said, what is it right now you can say this team is doing well other than maybe run defense? Uh, they're not doing really much anything that well right now. No, and you talk about the defense. I thought in the first half they played well. Um, but you're down 10 nothing, and you got a team that, I mean, you know you're going to be back on the field in three plays and a punt, and you, you, you're just worn down and it demoralizes you. And I thought they played as well as they could. Um, you know, you give up 31 points, but, but honestly, you gave up 10 points in the first half. You were so exhausted by the second half, you can't really blame them for giving up as many points as they did. But uh, it, just how demoralizing is it in the locker room when they go through this? And if they were to make a change at quarterback, do you think that maybe would reinvigorate the entire team? Yes, I do. I, I've, I haven't sensed any um, lack of morale or spirit right now in this team. But last night, you could tell people were really down. I mean, players were down, leaders like Cam Jordan, Mario Davis. Uh, they're feeling it. And I think that's because they're both also in their 30s, and uh, they feel like this team has a chance to do something, at least when the season started. And this uh, you know, crescendo of injuries has really robbed momentum and I think some of the uh, some of the confidence of the team, but you get an injection of hope at quarterback. That's what I, I wrote about today. Is like he gives you hope. Taysom Hill does. He he may not be the answer, but if you get like you said, you get Ramchek back, you get Kamara back, you know Ingram. Uh, you could see where this team offensively could maybe have an identity, and I think that's the other thing. They they have no identity on offense right now. I mean they they don't do anything well. I think the last two games. Trevor Simeon's longest completions like been like 26 yards. I mean, there's no, uh, you know, quick strike ability at all. And this team isn't good enough to go 75 yards on in the NFL right now. So they just offensively, they're so limited with what they have. And I think, I think it's wearing on some of the key players on the team. So yes, I think a change, just try something. It, it can't be any worse than what we're seeing right now. I think that, um, you talk about the demoralizing for the defense and, and other players, but I don't know that I've ever seen Sean Payton this demoralized. And I, and I realize that you've gone 15 years with a Hall of Fame quarterback, so it's a different scenario. And he's trying to figure things out. And then you lose a guy that you figure can, be, can pick up your offense. It'll take him some time. And I'm talking about Jameis Winston. It'll, it'll take him some time. But he was finally starting to figure things out. You get the, the knee injury, and now he's gone. So I get where he's at, but I've never seen Sean Payton be so, um, what's the right word, apathetic maybe. Um, he just, it, 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 he's made some calls in games. We talk about the fourth and goal at the one against Tennessee that he doesn't go for. We talk about kicking the field goal against Philadelphia when you find a way to actually give yourself a, a sliver of a chance. Then they come last night, and he he obviously doesn't even trust this quarterback. He's running the football down 17 and nothing in the third quarter. Just run a little short pass here, run again. I mean, he, he seems like he's just kind of in a, in a weird spot that I've never seen him before. No, that's a good observation. I, I tend to agree. I mean, he said something last night after the game that I thought was pretty – illuminating he said 
Um, just getting two yards right now is a struggle for this team. When, when he alluded to, I think they've now failed on 10 straight two-point conversions. That's hard to do. Um, but that kind of crack, also a crack, say they knew it had to be hard for the viewing audience on NBC to watch that game. I mean, you don't hear him say things like that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a window into his soul right now. He, he's, I think it wits in. Which leads me to believe that I think that he finally will make the change. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know that we're ever going to know the real reason why he is not at least allowed his backup quarterback to at least go in. Um, what do you think the reasoning is for Ian Book not to at least be active? I'm not saying Ian Book should have played. I mean, Ian Book probably would have been better than what we had, but what do you think the reasoning is for Ian Book at least not even being active the last two weeks? Yeah, I don't, I don't know unless they, maybe they need the roster spots. I mean, that's probably the best reason is they needed it at other positions. I, I mean, last night they were throwing uh, Caden Ellis out for a few reps at defensive end because they're missing Tano, Passanio, and uh, Marcus Davenport. They're down some ends, uh, and I think they're just probably needing those roster spots at other positions on the team. Um, but, you know, it, it what stu- stu- stood out to me last night watching the game was just the staggering difference in the skill position players uh, on Buffalo sure. compared to the Saints. I mean, let's not even go to the quarterback position, but, I mean, Josh Allen was making things happen with his legs, his arm. I mean, he threw some balls that just were ropes for 40 yards. I mean, that guy's a – a rare talent, but then there were a couple times where they just threw the ball out to their playmaker in the flat. One time it was Emmanuel Sanders. He beat Bradley Roby. Another time their first touchdown to, to Dawson Knox. I mean, there's really nothing there. And he gets in the end zone of a, a terrible tackle attempt from Marcus Williams. But again, it goes back to the playmakers. You get the ball in space to them. They make plays. The Saints right now have nobody except maybe Deontay Harris that can do that. Uh, they just don't have any dynamism in their in their playmakers. Um, so they've got to get back Kamara and the guys that they do have that can do that because right now it's 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 pretty much Sean Payton trying to X and O's up people and it's it's just not good enough. And and Taysom brings a whole another dimension to me. Um yep. and we saw that he could be accurate at times. Obviously it's not Drew Brees. And speaking of Drew Brees, I just thought the whole thing last night was ironic that um, maybe the worst offensive performance in the Sean Payton era and you're honoring your Hall of Fame quarterback at halftime who's back in front of the dome and you could tell what it meant to him and I know that at least that was a special moment so Saints fans if nothing else they got to see number nine uh, in center in the center of the dome and and got to enjoy that at least yeah I agree you could tell it meant a lot to Drew brought his family in for it. Um, I mean, it was a proper send-off. I mean, at least everybody got to let him know how they felt. And I thought it was really cool from the press box, seeing the Southern band spell out his name and his number. Uh, they thought that through. Unfortunately, a lot of people didn't get to see it, J.D. I mean, it, NBC Sports didn't show yeah, it. crazy. You know, I know. It was, it was pretty strange because he's calling the games now for NBC. But, uh, you know, I, I spoke to him briefly before the game. And, um, yeah, he was really looking forward to it. I know that he uh, had been thinking about this moment for a long time. And there'll be another time that they're gonna, he'll come back and get in the ring of honor. And I think eventually they're going to retire his jersey. They, they haven't retired anybody's jersey. But I, I think they're going to make a special exception for him. And 
if you're going to retire anybody's, it's going to be number nine. I've got an idea, Dom. And I don't know if he would go for it because it would add a year to, to how long you'd have to wait to get in the Hall of Fame. But if the Saints are out of it in week 18, they sign him to a one-week contract, they let him dress out, and he comes in and throws one final pass. What do you think in front of the crowd? That's not a bad idea. I would, I would do that. Didn't they do something like that with uh, Deuce McAllister? They did it for a, like a playoff game or something? Yeah, I think so. They, they, didn't they dress him out? I, yeah. They, well, they, they brought him they out brought- for they. They brought him out for the for the uh, the, the during they, the Super Bowl run, one of the playoff games, maybe the Eagles. They brought yeah, him out and he, he brought the flag or something. Out. Yeah, he was. Yeah, on I it. think I remember that because I remember Mike Triplett and I laughing because they were going to bring him out for this big crescendo moment and have him lead the team out of the field, and like Reggie Bush took some big Saints flag and <laughs> that's right ran in front of him and like stole his moment. That's right. We were that's like, right. You let the guy have his moment, Reggie. <laughs> well, let let him even let him dress out. You know, I mean, if you're if you're out of it, I'm not. If you're in it, you can't do stuff like that. You got to you got to win the game, whatever. But and you're fighting for a playoff spot. But if you, if you're out of it, let him let him come in there and uh, and dress out in full pads and whatever, and let him throw one pass or something. Yeah, well, look, I'd be for that. I think the fans would be for that. I don't know if uh, uh, the players would be for that because that means somebody's going to lose a game check. <laughs> for this little gimmick, but, uh, but I do, I, I do think that it's going to be a special moment when they bring him back. And I don't think it's going to take long. I don't think they have a, you know, that's the thing. I, I don't know what the terms are on the ring of honor. I think they like to give it a little bit of time, but, uh, I could see them do it in the next couple of years for sure. Uh, cause who else are you going to put in there now? I mean, it, it's get a little bit of a dicey who you put up there because that's a, that's a special honor. That's not just Hall of Fame. That's that's the true greats in franchise history. I'm not sure there's anybody else between Sam Mills and, and Drew that needs to go up there. No, I don't think Jim so. Finks. I mean, Jim Finks or Jim Moore. Is Jim Moore in it already? I can't remember. I don't know if Jim Moore is in there, but he should be for sure. Um, that's a good question. Yeah. I think, I think Finks or Moore. Eventually, uh, Cam Jordan will be in there. Uh, he should be. No doubt. But, no doubt. Uh, I mean, you can make a case for Jari Evans, maybe. I mean, he's, a, I think, an eight-time pro bowler. That's pretty pretty strong. Yeah. Um, maybe but, even Thomas I mean, Morstead. Is, yeah. Yeah. Man. Was punting for the Falcons this weekend. Uh, that's pretty That's pretty sick, by the way. We got to watch it. You watch the Saints lose their fourth in a row, and then you got to go watch Thomas Morstead. Uh Punt for the Falcons. Well, you know, you know, JD, we haven't talked about this, but God forbid. I mean, this looks like a weekend where people can make up ground on the Saints and the NFC South. Sure. I mean, they they have to start thinking about uh, we're going to get passed by the Panthers and Falcons uh, because of this losing streak they're on. I mean, if they can't scratch out a win next week against Dallas, which I agree with you, I think I think they can win that game. But it doesn't help that Dallas keeps losing. I mean, these teams are going to be pretty desperate, I think, for a win. And um, uh, but much like Buffalo, I, I had that stat yesterday. I mean, I think they were eight and two after a loss of Sean McDermott. And you could see. I mean, they 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 played great. I thought. But I, I saw early in that first quarter, I turned to uh, Rod Walker on the staff. I said, "They got no chance against this team." I mean, they're, you could see their energy, their body language, and. And you weren't in the dome, were you? No, I was not. I will be there next week, though. Okay. Uh, the 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 number of Bills fans. I know we talked about that. It was a big thing on social media. It was staggering, JD. I mean, 
I've never seen that many fans from another team. I've seen the Steelers bring a lot. The Packers, of course, brought a lot. Nothing compared to this. Uh, the, by, by the end of the game, of course, Saints fans had cleared out, and they had all moved to the lower bowl. And there must have been, I'd say, 10,000 Buffalo fans, at least close to 10,000 in that stadium. And you could hear them. I mean, there was a play. At one point, I had my, my head down working on my column in the fourth quarter, and Buffalo made a big play. And I looked up because I thought it was a Saints play that the fans were cheering instead it was Buffalo. That's how loud it was. Bill's Mafia. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, and it's not going to be any different next week because the, you know, the Cowboys always bring time. In fact, yeah. I think that obviously the Cowboys have more opposing fans than anybody. And, you know, a lot of the times we played them at home lately, they've kind of stunk. So, but you can bet they're being forced this weekend. Well, I can see Buffalo too, making a special, you know, you know, look, they're up in the North. Right. Northern part of the country, it's cold up there. Right. Hey, look, at, we can go down to New Orleans, spend Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I, I, I talked to a couple of them that are, they're staying the whole weekend down here. I mean, you know, they, they're going to make a little mini vacation out of it, which makes a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it ended up being the, a, a perfect trip for them. But that team is good. They're well coached. They don't have a lot of really weaknesses. If you really look at them, uh, they don't run the ball that great. But with that quarterback, they got a puncher's chance, I think, in the playoffs. I'm sure Thanksgiving dinner in New Orleans is a little better than Thanksgiving uh, in Orchard Park, New York. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I think <laughs> I mean, you've like been up there. Cap- <laughs> I've been up there a few times. And uh, the thing I love about them, they remind me, and it's probably true of all the small market teams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Packers, and the Saints, and the Bills, it's all similar. Their fans are just so much more passionate because – that's their team. You know, they don't really have a lot of other things. I mean, Buffalo's got NHL, but the Bills dominate up there. And uh, it reminds me a lot of Saints fans how passionate they are. I love it. I love all, everything about it. All right. Going into yesterday, I, I really I, – I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn because I've had bad weeks in the past. So, I'm not – you know, I can't have bad weeks and then have great weeks or whatever. But I predicted 27-7 last night. I just didn't think the Saints were going to be able to score – with this quarterback and going against a team that needed a get-right game more than anybody, it was a bad spot for the Saints. You knew Buffalo was going to come in here and play like Buffalo has been playing. So I was off by a little bit. I was really close. That being said, um, I don't want this whole show to be negative because my monologue was obviously negative, and we've been pretty negative. But we've, we touched on it, and going forward, I have this weird feeling the Saints are going to play their best football this Thursday night. I haven't made my pick for next week yet because we've got to get through this weekend. But I, I just have a hunch the Saints are going to come out and, and it's going to be a different team this Thursday. They've got a full week to prepare, and I think Sean Payton is going to have this team's head turned around on a swivel. I agree with you. I think they're going to finally make a change. And i got a feeling they're going to play well the rest of the year. Yeah, look – I'm not ready to give up on them either. I know that was a demoralizing couple of weeks with how they played. They really weren't competitive. But this is, to me, the nadir, you know, the low water mark in a season with the injuries they have. I think they're just trying to manage it and get some of these guys back. They got Armstead back last night. That was a big step. They just got to get the running game back on track, and they've got to figure out somebody that can breathe some life into the passing game. And if they do that, then I think the defense picks up. 
And the defense is playing, I think, well enough for them to compete in some of these games. So I, I'm with you. And I've always believed from this coaching staff, they're very good. The Saints aren't going to be out coached, but they're outmanned right now. There's just no other way around it. And that you're you're 100% right. That was a bad matchup at a bad time. And I, I've, I mentioned this, I think, a week or so ago in my in my column for our sports betting site. Uh, you know, my first year I covered the NFL, JD. I covered the 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 in Nashville. It was the first year, the Oilers. It was then the Tennessee Oilers. That's right. Eventually become the Titans. And I didn't really know much about the NFL. I covered colleges throughout my career. So I was trying to learn on the job, and they had a center named Mark Stepnoski, who was a great player from Pittsburgh, really smart, cerebral guy. And I remember sitting in his locker one day, and he was he was explaining to me the difference between college and the NFL. And he said, the NFL, everybody's so even talent-wise. And he goes, there's really three things that separate him. Injuries, of course, breaks. And he was talking about, like, sometimes you just don't get a ball bounce your way. Look at that. What was that game a couple of weeks ago? The Saints had that fumble, that, the Titans game. Yeah, that went forward and they yes. didn't fall on it, and it ends up being a first down. I mean, right. the the roughing the passer call on Caden uh, Ellis goes against you, and you end up losing a game. Or if those things go your way, like the the Super Bowl year, uh, you know everything went the Saints' way that year, and you end up kind of riding the magic carpet ride. And the third thing he said that it, I think always gets overlooked by fans, and Jim Haslett used to talk to me about this all the time, is the schedule, like when you play teams. And it's so critical. I mean, the Saints catching the Bills at that time was the worst possible time for them to catch them. After a loss, an embarrassing loss, and you're banged up. If the Saints played the Bills in week one when they were healthy in the Superdome, or, well, it wouldn't have been the Superdome because of circumstance. My point is, they might be able to beat Buffalo then, uh, you know, but they catch them. I think the Saints catching Green Bay early was good for the Saints. If they played them right now, they'd get beat by three touchdowns, you know. So that schedule is is a huge part of a, of a team season. And right now the Saints just picked a bad time to be banged up. Jim Haslett, the first time I ever uh, asked him a question, I don't even remember what I asked him. He looked, he looked around and he goes, who the hell is this guy? So <laughs> <laughs> he was, That's so he, funny. I can, he was a trick. I can see him saying that. He he was a trip, man. He really was. Uh, But, again, we talk about the Saints have not lost five games in a row since Jim Hazlitt was was the coach. So, And Aaron Brooks was the quarterback. So let's uh, let's hope we don't match that feat this week. Before I let you go, um, I do want to really quickly touch on the LSU coach and search. And um, we talked with Mike Dettelier on Wednesday. And, um, you know, Mike was talking about how he thinks there's a possibility – that, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley is not only the front runner, but he's clearly the target if he wants to come here, if he chooses to take the money that LSU is going to offer him. If Oklahoma loses, do you think that uh, there's a chance that we'll have a coach named at LSU uh, sometime next week? Yes, I do. Matter of fact, I've heard that. So I think it's going to be soon. I don't think it's going to be much longer. Uh, I agree with you on Lincoln Riley. I think the silence coming out of Norman's pretty deafening in that regard. And I think when you start seeing other coaches that have been reported to be in the mix, start signing, uh, re-upping with their current places, like we're hearing Dave Aranda's doing, we saw Mel Tucker do it. That leads me to believe that their representatives have had back-channel conversations and that LSU's got their person. Now, who that is, I don't know. I, I would think Lincoln Riley fits exactly the kind of hire I think Scott Woodward is going to make. 
he's going to get a big name. He's going to make a splash. And he's going to get somebody that comes in here and energizes the program and also has the bona fides and the chops for that job. I mean, that's a big-time job, and they need a big-time coach. They need somebody that can come in here and, and embrace the challenge of playing in the SEC West and going toe-to-toe with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and Lane Kiffin. I mean, you have to have the right guy for that job, and I think that's what Lincoln Riley would do. So he fits the mold of what I think Scott Woodward's looking for. I think choice B might be Billy Napier and uh, who and may end up going to Florida. But um, I, I think what he has done at the University of Louisiana is just incredible. And obviously that guy has got a bright future ahead of him. So if, the, if LSU did have to go there, and uh, I think that's what maybe Florida has to wait on. But uh, that guy's going to be a, a, ma- a great coach at a major program real soon. Yeah, I, I, the thing that I, I go back on Billy Napier, I remember covering, I'm trying to think of what the name of the bowl was. It was down in Orlando. It was the something Care Bowl or something. Uh, uh, blank the, car care, the Car Care, something Car Care Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, it was, it was Louisiana against Tulane, and Tulane beat him and beat him pretty handily. But I remember going to the press afterward, and Napier spoke, and he was extremely impressive. The way he handled himself, the way he talked about his program, where they were at, talked about his seniors. I mean, he was just really classy. And, he, and, he, and at that time, really no one knew Billy Napier was going to be this rising star. But I came away thinking, wow, they got a good, they got a good leader here in this guy. And we've seen what he's done since then. And the connections I've heard on the recruiting trail also I think are big. Uh, he's done incredible job of recruiting in Louisiana and making inroads with the state's coaches. And I think that would be big. So I agree with you. I, I've always believed that like guys that win at, at that level, uh, they don't do it by accident. I mean, right. uh, that's why I think Luke Fickle is a home run, wherever he goes, he's probably going to stay at Cincinnati, but if he goes to the NFL one day or he goes to Ohio state or something, he's going to win. I mean, you can just, tell the way he's built that program and there, there's no fluke about it and that's the same thing with louisiana it's not like i guess the difference is it's a program it's not like they stumbled on uh you know a carson wentz or something and they got this great dynamic quarterback and he carried the program this is this is all about what billy napier's done in louisiana and it's gonna it's gonna be sustained success as long as he's there but uh, I think he's managed his career really, really well, turning down some other prime jobs, and now he's in position to get the best jobs in the country. And as college football uh, wraps up its regular season this week, you think it's a two-horse race, Georgia and Ohio State? Yeah, I do. I mean, one time I thought Alabama might be in there, but I've just I've watched them enough now; they don't seem the same. They look like one of these. And it's what's funny, JD, is we talked about transition years earlier about the Saints and stuff. I feel like Alabama's transition year; they go like. 11 and one or, you know, 10 yeah. and two or something. That's what it feels like right. this year. Like they're, they're good, but they're not, they're not great. Like the typical Alabama team. I mean, they're, they're definitely have kinks in their armor, young in some spots. And if you, I would not put it past Ohio state to win it all. I mean, they, they've got a lot of young players that are getting better every week and they're getting better every week, but they got a big one this week. That Michigan games will be fun to watch because Michigan, they did some soul searching in the off season. I think Jim Harbaugh, he kind of turned over that program and made some big-time changes in the program internally, and it's paid off. So I, I'm sure they're tired of being 
little brother in that in that rivalry. It's gonna be fun to watch. Jim Harbaugh still can't win a huge game. I don't know what it is. I mean, he he can't win games against top ten opponents. Um, and I just don't, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Cause you know what? I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I probably rooting for Michigan here. Cause I, I like chaos when it comes to college football, cause they do things so wrong. It's, it's amazing how they get basketball so right and football so wrong. I've never seen such dysfunctionality in one organization between two different sports anywhere. I mean, have you? Yeah, we can I mean, do a, a whole another attitude podcast on that. That we're gonna do that. In, we're gonna do that in February. Yeah, it's all it's all about greed, and to me, it's all self serving. And I, I could do two hours on it, so let's save it. Lastly, speaking about greed and self serving, did you see what Rick Pitino did yesterday? I did see that. Yes, Iona. Did, did it give you flashbacks yeah, to, to when it was? Yeah, I can coach, man. Best coach I've ever seen when he was at Kentucky. As much as I, it pains me to say this, he's the best basketball coach I ever saw during those years at Kentucky. I mean, I covered that game. Matter of fact, one of my claims to fame, J.D., one of the minor claims to fame I had, I coined that phrase, the Mardi Gras miracle, because I covered that game when they came back down 33. Oh, I remember it. Yeah, I was on Fat Tuesday, and I remember I wrote the phrase, it was a miracle of Mardi Gras, and my story, I was at the – I was at the Monroe News Star then, and one of my colleagues, Mark Coombs, who was the beat writer for University of Kentucky at the, at the Louisville Courier Journal, he saw it. He said, look, I want to use that in my follow-up. Can I use that in my follow-up in the Courier Journal? I said, yeah, you can, as long as you reference it. And he did, and it took off and became, you know, what everybody remembers now. So that was that Rick Pitino juggernaut back then. They just were unbelievable. Can come back from 33 points down and win. So you're saying in your 30-plus year career, you have one claim to fame? Yeah, that's that's one. And uh, I was gonna say that's I, one more other, than I have. Well, I, I did I did name the heavy lunch bunch. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that counts. That's good stuff. Look, before we let you that go, was, uh, one, that was my claim. Other claim. Well, that was Norman Hand and and the big wiggle. Grady and all Jackson, that. I think. Yeah, Grady Jackson and. Uh, and well, look, there was one other guy there from Oklahoma. I can't remember his big name. But I remember Hazlitt was mad at me for using that term. He thought it was insulting to the big guys on the team, and he was mad, but it took off anyway. <laughs> so you would have been ripped on uh, on Twitter these days maybe if you would have been mean like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, guys. the world we're in now, I think I would have flown. Before we let you go, talk about your book a little bit. I want, I want uh, people to know you – you talk about people looking for a great Christmas gift, and uh, absolutely, we think about the golden days with Peyton and Breeze, and <laughs> and uh, you know now now is a great time to go buy that book, and maybe it'll cheer you up a little bit. Yeah, you know it's funny people are ordering it a lot right now. For, I think for that exact reason, <laughs> it's like I want to feel nostalgic about a time when we were a juggernaut. So I've been yeah I've been filling out a lot of orders actually this morning on the Peyton and Breeze book because we. We really need to get our shipments out for if you like have a fan that is a Saints fan that wants a Christmas good Christmas gift. We're making a lot of orders uh, for the Peyton and Breeze book right now because the the mailing really we have to get it out in the next two weeks to, to ensure it gets there for Christmas. But hardcover copies are thirty dollars personalized, signed, and uh, paperbacks are out now for twenty bucks, so a little cheaper, a little more affordable for people, and that's got the updated addendum on on the last season of Bree's career and his retirement and we've actually it's unbelievable how many we've sold here in the last few weeks um 
I guess people are starting to feel nostalgic, like you said, about Breeze's uh, career and want to kind of relive those memories. They're starting to realize that it's really over. How, how do they get one of those books, Dunk? Well, they can reach out to me on social media. That's probably the easiest way, at Jeff Duncan underscore. Or there is a Facebook page, J.D., uh, that's dedicated to the Peyton and Breeze book. Just look up Peyton and Breeze book on Facebook. Uh, or they can email me at, at, at The Advocate, you know, at J. Duncan, uh, J. Duncan at theadvocate.com, any of those ways, and we'll get them. Or if you just want to go out and get one yourself at the local, I always encourage people to get them at local booksellers. They're all over town. And then I can I can make arrangements to either meet you to sign them or you can mail them and sign them. I mean, we'll make it happen. Uh, it just seems it's it seems like people like the personalized, especially for a Christmas gift. So we try to make that happen. Jeff Duncan, obviously best friend to the Datitude podcast so far in our infancy here, uh, 28 episodes in. We thank you so much for, for being on here, and I'm sure we're going to talk to you soon. All right, J.D., thanks for having me, buddy. We'll talk right, again bye. soon. Talk to you soon. When Jeff Duncan starts questioning Sean Payton, not that he doesn't question Sean Payton, because he does, I give him grief sometimes for being uh, a little bit more happy, happy, joy, joy than some others, I guess. He, he, he tells it like it is with as positive a light as you can give. And no one can be positive right now. And that's okay. But at five and six, hey, look, at least they started five and two. And, um, I, I mean, I'm serious. Give themselves a, a, a realistic chance. If changes are made and you can turn the mindset around in a short period of time, the season's not a lost cause. And I think if they were to make the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, playoffs. Um, I think that would be a major win for this team going forward. We'll see if that's in the cards. It's only going to happen if a change is made at quarterback and we get at least some of those guys back. You know, you worry about Alvin Kamara because we never even talked about it with Dunk, but, uh, you know, whenever a guy's got a knee injury, and it, it, you know, you got the injury report and whether it says limited, practice, whatever, when it's got knee in parentheses, you wonder. So, even when... Kamara comes back, you have to wonder. We'll find out. Because to me, this is a, is a critical week. We said before this four-game tough stretch, to make the playoffs, they had to go at least one and three. They could not afford losing all four games. And I stand by that. If they go five and seven, I'm going to give up on them, I think. Even with the schedule they have going forward. Because they'd have to... You figure if they lose to Tampa Bay, they'd have to win all the rest of them and go 9-8. and eight. I just don't see that they're going to win all the rest of them. Even if it is Jets, Falcons, Panthers, um, Dolphins, they're not going to win all those games. They've, they've shown already that they lose to teams here and there they're not supposed to lose to. I already lost to the Falcons. I already lost to the Panthers. Lost to the Giants. Panthers and Giants you lost to with Jameis Winston. So I think that this is a must win. And the, Do the Cowboys are in a similar boat. They're in trouble. Um, and unlike the Bills, where I thought that the Bills are a Super Bowl contender, 
needed a get-right game. I'm not so sure that's where the Cowboys are. I'm not sure they can change things on a dime. They're banged up too. And something's not right with some of their key stars. So we'll see. Let's move on. Uh, we Uncle Big Nick went on vacation this weekend, so we recorded his segment on Wednesday. So I didn't even give him a chance to, to rib me about the Saints. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, we, we, Uncle Big Nick has been outstanding with his picks. And uh, I've been pretty good with – I haven't been great, but I've been pretty good with my top picks, not so much my five-star, but four-star, three-star. We have five-star Friday, and um, – we did uh, Conductor Dave on Wednesday. You want to go back and listen to it? I'm, I'm 2-0 and against the spread so far this week. That's right. I gave myself a little pat on the back. You can't see it, but I'm doing it right now. But uh, Uncle Big Nick has been very good. We had a short, very short segment this week. We just kind of go through our picks in a hurry. But, again, if you're into that thing and you're going to make a trip to Harris this weekend or whatever and you want to make some picks – Uncle Big Nick has been great with those college picks, and he's got some interesting ones this week, and I like him. I like his picks this week, so uh, worth a shot. Look, he, he called me, uh, texted me last night and told me to take Ole Miss in the under. Dead on, spot on. Um, so he helped me out last night. Maybe he can help us all out. Let's get to it. Uncle Big Nick. Welcome in Uncle Big Nick once again, who's coming off a second straight great week. Um, we're going to make this a shorter segment than usual, so we're not going to go through, we're not going to go into detail on all of our picks, but I will say you've been the parlay king, man. Hey, it's working out. Hope I hit it again. I give you a bunch of crap for. I got uh, a real doozy for you. Got a yeah. real doozy for you with this parlay, too. Yeah, well, we're going to get into that in just a minute. You've been giving me crap over. I mean, I've been giving you crap, rather, over picking your parlay up up top because, obviously, a parlay is one of the toughest things to hit. And uh, you've been putting up at five stars. You've just been trying to catch me in points. You're getting closer. Last week, we were both three and two, although you almost doubled me in points. You got 15 points compared to my eight. We, I am now 15. It's, it's, it's funny because with, with Conductor Dave coming into the week, and we're recording this on Wednesday, so I have no idea what happens with our Thanksgiving games. But with with Conductor Dave, I'm 27 and 27 against the spread. With you, I am 15 and 15 in my picks. So I am Mr. Mediocre for sure. I have 53 total points. You are climbing closer to 500 at 14 and 16, 48 points. But again, you've had two really good weeks. And I do want to talk about, I'm going to jump right into your parlay. Last week, your parlay was your five-star pick. Pitt, Virginia over 66, and Army under 56. Um, that was a winner. This week, your parlay is your three-star pick. Um, so I am I, I didn't lie. I was going to jump around with picks. Your three-star <laughs> parlay pick, I want you to talk about it right off the bat. UMass, New, New Mexico State under 59, and Kent State and Miami of Ohio over 65 and a half. Who doesn't love a little matching, huh? So action. UMass, UMass and New Mexico State are the two worst teams in the country. They are combined two and 20. Can you see them putting up points or no? 
Well, I mean, I, I don't it, see them putting sometimes, up points. Sometimes bad teams, when they play in bad defenses, who knows? Yeah, you're right. But I, I just don't think they have the – I think defense is going to dominate more than offense. Kent well, State has had two games go into the 80s and two games go into the 90s this year. They can't stop nobody, and they score fast. So uh, uh, 65 seems like a gift. There's a reason why they're the flashes. Exactly. Uh, all they Everybody do is, loves the flash. Everybody, that's all they do is score. So just to, uh, we're not going to talk about them, but your two stars, your teaser, Jags, plus six over Falcons, and 49ers, plus three over Vikings. We have uh, interesting, because I have that game as part of my teaser, but I have it the other way. And then the one star is your Lanyard pick. You got Georgia minus 21 over Georgia Tech in the first half. Um, you think the Bulldogs are going to score quick over my dad's alma mater. He won't like that, but that's okay. We're going to jump. Georgia Tech lost like 55 to nothing to Notre Dame. Who do you think got a better defense? I, I don't disagree with you. I, I agree with you. <laughs> um, and look, Tell your dad I'm sorry. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I like my parlay so much this week that I am putting it as my three-star. I mean, I never put my parlay that high. I usually make it my two-star, my one-star. It's all the way up to my three-star, so I'm going to get right into that one. My parlay is the Atlanta Falcons. It's two pick-em games, so all i got to do is win them. It's just like a teaser, except I just got to win them. I just they're straight up parlay. Falcons pick them over Jags, and Rams pick them over Packers. I, I really think that um, I think Atlanta going into Jacksonville, they're going to get right. Jacksonville doesn't care. And I like the Rams going into Green Bay and winning because the Rams, two straight losses, just acquiring Von Miller, having a bunch of changes. They needed this bye week. They have spent two straight weeks talking about nothing, looking at nothing but Green Bay. Meanwhile, Green Bay had a tough one against Minnesota. I think they're due for another letdown. If this game was in L.A., I'd agree with you, but I don't like it in Green Bay. Well, if it was in L.A., the Rams Lincoln would be favored. Well, right, I know, but it's not going to be that cold. Just, I, don't, I don't trust the Rams. Uh, it's the right cold now, it is in L.A. Well, the forecast is 39 degrees. That's not that cold. Once you start moving around, it'll be fine, and it's going to be sunny. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about that one next Friday. But uh, just to go over them real quick and just not talk about them, I've been terrible with my two-star anyway. I'm 0-6 with my two-star pick. And I am 15 and, let's see, 15 and 9 with all my other picks. So my bottom picks have been terrible. So two-star 0 and 6, one-star 3 and 3. This week, we're going to change that around. I got my two-star lanyard pick, Seattle even in the first half over the Washington football team. I think the Seahawks turn things around this week. I think they start fast. They're going to want to start fast after the two stinkers they put up. I like Russell Wilson this week. We'll see what happens there. One, one-star is my favorite. Uh, pick, um, not my favorite pick of the five, but it's we pick a favorite. And the favorite is I didn't see any NFL favorites. I really loved that weren't playing on Thursday. Um, I kind of like the Ravens a little bit, but not enough to put it on the card. I'm taking Ohio State minus eight over Michigan uh, at, at the big house. We've all talked about how Harbaugh stinks against uh, against good teams. And so I think you and I both agree. Doesn't this, doesn't this game scream Everybody taking Ohio State and then Michigan. It cover. does, which is why it's my one star. So if I lose it, it's not that big. It's of a why game. I'm staying. I'm staying as far away from that game as I can. 
I think Ohio State blows them out. So we'll, we'll see. So let's get into, let's go up uh, from our three-star. Your four-star this week is Memphis on Saturday, minus six, playing the two-lane green wave who got off the schneid and had a great win. And uh, now they're getting six from Memphis. But you like you like Memphis. My favorite, yeah, my favorite thing to do this time of year is to look at the schedule and look at the the standings, not the schedule, and who needs one more win to be bowl eligible, and what team has no chance of being bowl eligible, and what team has already had the bowl. So Memphis is five and six. They beat Tulane. They in a bowl game. Tulane's what two and nine. They done. They they checked out. You're going to see in my four-star and five-star pick. That's the formula I use to pick both of those. I like it. It makes sense. I wish I'd have thought of that. Um, but I don't do enough college picking and not, certainly not enough good college picking. So that makes sense. I like it. My four-star is my teaser. We talked about the teaser before. Uh, if you're new to betting, you get six points. Whatever way you take it, you just... You're, you add six points, to, but you got to hit both of them. So whatever you pick, it's a, it's basically a 110 to 100 bet. So you got to bet $110 or at some places $120 to win 100. But you got to win both of them. And so my teaser here is, look, even if the Vikings lose, I think the Vikings are going to win straight up. But even if they lose, I don't see them getting blown out by San Francisco. Um, I think Kirk Cousins, We've you and I have talked about how well Kirk Cousins has played this year. Um, so I'm going to take the Vikings plus nine over San Francisco out in San Francisco. And then the second half of my teaser, I don't love as much, but I was having a tough time matching some things. And I'm like, who's going to win this week? Who? And I couldn't pick my, my favorite game of the week is on, it was on Thursday. So I can't pick it. So I'm going to take Bengals plus one and a half over the Steelers. I think the Bengals are, are good enough. I think they went straight up. I think Pittsburgh's in a lot of trouble. So there you go. Vikings plus nine, Bengals plus one and a half. Yeah, I like it. I don't think San Francisco blows out Minnesota, especially at home. They're terrible at home. And, yeah, I, I like that. Okay, let's get into the five-star. Five-star, you got your underdog pick. You just talked about why you like what you look at and where you look at. And Florida State can become bowl eligible over a team that just fired its coach. And they, I would imagine the Gators are pretty much checked out. I like this pick, even though Florida State hasn't been great against anybody decent except Notre Dame in the opener. Two and a half they are getting from the Gators. Uh, I don't think Florida wants to play two more games, huh? You think they just want to play one more game and call I think it a they'd season? Rather, I think they'd rather call it a season yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even show up for the bowl game last year when they showed, when they got in the one. Yeah. So, I mean, I just – I can't see them even trying in this game, you know? Well, I like that pick a lot. Uh, I might even put a little cabbage on it. Who knows? And for my five-star pick, I can tell you you're going to hate it. I, I mean, and we, we usually share our picks before, but I didn't have time to share them this week. My five-star is my underdog pick, and it's the Tennessee Titans. I can guess it. Getting seven from the New England Patriots. There is no way on planet Earth, even if you think New England's going to win the game, which I'm sure you do, there is no way on planet Earth that New England should be given seven points to Tennessee when this line eight days ago or nine days ago was two and a half. So you're telling me because Tennessee lost to Houston that it's jumped four and a half points? 
I mean, New England really hasn't beat anybody that's all that great. And I'm still convinced Buffalo is going to win the division, even though I know you believe the opposite. So you can believe in Belichick all you want. New England might win the game, but I don't I don't see how Tennessee doesn't cover the seven. Yeah, I, t- I took this too. I took Tennessee plus seven because, like you said, I don't see where losing to Houston is a five-point swing. I mean, I think it's going to be competitive. It's going to be a field goal game. I can see either team winning, though. I don't think New England's necessarily going to lose, but I just don't think they're going to cover. Well, we'll find out soon enough. I'm the the thing I can brag about is my five star, my four star, my three star. I'm four and two in all three of those, and those are the ones that obviously you want to win. So you've been catching up to me, but that's because I gave you that that double parlay thing, that double points, and you've been taking advantage of it. Well, you should. We'll see if you do it this week with your three-star. Nick, I know you're going on uh, vacation with the family. Enjoy the time, and I hope you enjoy the Thanksgiving weekend. You too, bud. Don't eat All too right. much. Ain't like we need a, We don't need a special day to eat too much. We do that any day. Oh, I'm eating too much, even if I can't taste it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. <laughs> oh, damn. Later. And I did eat too much, and damn COVID. If you haven't listened in the past, um, what I was referring to there is uh, got COVID in February, and um, yep, I still can't taste or smell, we'll say properly. Everything tasted and smelled like something, um, but it doesn't taste or smell right, and for the most part, it doesn't taste or smell good, which you would think would impede how much I would eat, but no. I still made this gigantic plate yesterday. And I ate it about 1.30. And here's what happens when you get older, for those of you younger than 40 who can still eat whatever the hell you want, however you want. But normally, you know, you'd eat a big plate like that and maybe take a nap. You wake up and eat some more. No, for me, I ate a huge plate and disappointing. I didn't eat it again the rest of the day. Man, I miss those days. Make a huge plate. Then you eat some pie. You wait an hour and a half. Okay, you got, I got a little bit of room. I'll go make a medium-sized plate, eat that, get into the night games, make another big plate. This time you got to heat it up in the microwave. <clears throat> Excuse me. God, I miss that. I miss my smell and taste more. Hopefully it's coming back um, soon. We'll see. Anyway, enough about me. That is going to wrap it up for episode number 28. I want to give a shout-out to Caesar Sportsbook, who is an exclusive partner with us at The Advocate the times at bet.nola.com. And a reminder, we have a link on bet.nola.com where you can download the app and get a free $100 bet when it goes live. And now we're thinking eh, it might be after the first of the year before it goes live. Maybe in time for the NFL playoffs. We'll see. Uh, when it does, man, it's, it's going to be fantastic. Check it out. You can already download it now. And you can get that free $100 bet that I'll be waiting for you as soon as it does go live. Don't forget about our shows each Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday on bet.nola.com. Look, I have a public service announcement, or let's say, let's call it a personal service announcement. I also want to say, those who live in St. Tammany Parish, which I do, big votes coming on December 11th. We need the Camellia Bay Casino in Slidell. It will mean so much to this community. You know, all these no ads, that they're people with ulterior motives. Between the politicians, 
who have their own motives that I'm not going to go into. We'll save that for another show. And then you're, you're public, you're holier than thou public here in the North Shore. Something I've never seen. When I, I lived on the South Shore for the first 40 plus years of my life. And the, the people's ideas of, I moved up here to have this or have that, or not have this and not have that. The things they don't want up here and the things they do want are insane. Sometimes I feel like I'm living in a different state. A lot of times, the, the only negative I have up here, and I love living on the North Shore. The only, the only negative I have up here is just the mentality sometimes of the people that live here. And if you're going to move up here, you're going to conform to our ideals and you're going to have it the way that we want to have it. And we moved up here for this reason and we're not going to make this like Metairie. Guess what? We outnumber you now. Too bad. This Camellia Bay Casino will mean a ton for the community. All the money that's going to Mississippi now from those in New Orleans East and throughout the North Shore will stay here in St. Tammany and in the state of Louisiana. And it will be family-friendly, just like Loberge has been in Lake Charles and other casinos around the state. It will help. Don't let them, don't let them fool you. It's going to help decrease crime. It's going to create a ton of new jobs for local people. So if you didn't know the vote was coming and you live in St. Tammany Parish, make sure you get out there and vote on December 11th and vote yes. We need it. I want to thank Jeff Duncan and Uncle Big Nick. Let's win some more money. We had a great start with my NFL picks column that came out Wednesday. If you missed it, and I noticed that a lot of you did because probably I had the, I, the Saints were going to lose in the headline. That's okay. It's funny how that happens. You write the Saints are going to lose in the headline and the ratings go down. It's all good. But if you want to win some money, go read it because we've been doing pretty good lately. Um, you can find it on bet.nola.com and nola.com slash saints. We're now seven games above 500 for the season. I think we can get to 10 above by the end of the weekend. That's pretty good. Um, 12 weeks in the NFL season. If you're 10 above 500, you're doing pretty good against the spread. And uh, next week, we're going to have uh, sort of a holiday edition on Monday as I take a few days off. You know, I say that, and then I'm covering a prep game tonight. and <laughs> I'm working a little bit tomorrow, too, for Coach O's finale. We're going to run the rest of the interview we had with Mike Dettelier earlier this week. Mike had some wonderful vignettes on Hank Stram, uh, the former Saints coach, but obviously more famous for coaching the Kansas City Chiefs to a Super Bowl IV victory. Uh, Mike talks about uh, that and um, the Saints of the past and Coach O. The stuff on Coach O is great, certainly timely, too, as we could find out who the new LSU football coach will be as soon as next week. If Oklahoma loses, don't be surprised if on Monday uh, Lincoln Riley's introduces the next LSU football coach. Mike said as much on Wednesday. If you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. Very interesting. Uh, then on Wednesday, we'll have a Saints-Cowboys preview, and on Friday, we'll do another review. Um, I'm going to be at the Dome, and my plan at the moment is to have uh, Jeff Duncan on. We'll do our, uh, our segment from the Dome. Uh, maybe we'll find a way to do it live. I'll, I'll look into that, uh, at least to have that segment. We'll see. But for now, look, keep your head up, who, heads up, hoodats. I mean, look, the final six weeks at the minimum – they're going to be interesting. A lot more interesting the last four weeks. I promise you that. 
the last six, six weeks you'll want to watch. We have not wanted to watch much lately, but it's going to be different. I promise. I can tell you it's going to be different. I could see Sean Payton's body language, and like Dunk said, um, he's ready for a change. We'll see if it happens this week. I know this. We will talk to you on Monday, and then Wednesday uh, we'll, get, we'll jump right into the next week and see if we feel um, positive or where we, where we are. For now, we're going to have to go. That's episode 28. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Peace and love, my friends.